We're going ahead and get started. That devil's all in our pocket, and I'm about sick of it. Hallelujah. You know, God gave me a scripture this past week that said, um, I think it was in Isaiah, but it says, uh, See, I will send venomous snakes among you, vipers that cannot be charmed, and they will bite you, declares the Lord. And I tell you what, this whole week, it's like everywhere I turn, Satan's trying to put his fangs in me. Hallelujah. But my Bible says, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us from them all. Come on, say amen. First of all, we're going to partake this morning in the Lord's Supper. We usually do it on the first uh, weekend of the month, but since uh, Stained Red was out of town and we, we pushed it uh, forward, so we're going to do it this morning. Is that okay? The Bible tells us, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Men of God, if you'd make your way. He said, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. The Bible says, so a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, he eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And he said, that's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. He said, but if we would judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. The Bible clearly tells us that, that we are to confess our sins. Can I get an amen? We, we know the Bible says that, that we are all sinners according to the Word of God. John says if, if, if we claim to, to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we'll confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. Can I get an amen? And so as the body of believers, I'd ask you to please bow your head this morning. And let's pray together. I want you to pray after me if you would. Say, dear Lord, have mercy on me. According to your unfading love, According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, and cleanse me of all my sins. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Or take your spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
And God's people said amen and amen. Thank you very much. First of all, the Apostle Paul, he says, for what I have received from the Lord, what I've also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said that I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But, but here's the bread which comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and live forever. He said, this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Can I get an amen? The Bible says, uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. When Jesus says that we are healed, he is speaking of the eternal spiritual healing of our souls. But I also believe, this is my opinion, but I also believe that there is healing for the physical body of mankind and by faith I believe that today we can be healed we, we receive the bread of life take it in your right hand and say father in the mighty name of Jesus I believe by faith I believe in the word of God I believe by taking the bread of life the symbol of life I can receive healing supernaturally in your blood, in your body, in your word. In Christ's name we receive. Paul then writes, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jeremiah writes about the new covenant of God. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Jeremiah says, the time is coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, it will not be like the covenant when I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt for they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them. He said, this is the covenant after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and I'll write it upon their mind and no longer will a man say to his neighbor, know the Lord for they all will know me from the least of these to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Are you with me so far? Paul says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.13 
in 14, the Bible says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves through his blood. Can I get an amen? My favorite is this. Revelation 19 and 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. Take it in your right hand and lift it up. You say, well, preacher, why we use the right hand? The right hand represents one thing. It represents the covenant we have with God. Say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I praise you for your precious blood. I praise you for your ultimate sacrifice on the cross. I believe by faith, through your blood, I am redeemed. I am set free. I am free in the mighty name of Christ. And God's people received. Hallelujah. That's having church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil tried to get up in our worship. He's a liar, and the father lies. We have some visitors here today. We appreciate you guys coming out and visiting us. Amen. Roger, I'm going to give you the notes today. Sometime I bring the notes with me so you can just take those notes and follow me if you would, or I'd appreciate if you guys just listen. Go with me to the book of Luke 16. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 16. We're going to read a very familiar story this morning. Luke 16, verse 19 through 31. Once you find your place, as always, we ask you to stand. <clears throat> for the reading of God's holy scriptures. I have really been praying hard about this message this week. In fact, this morning I, I left my regular prayer position and got on the floor. I said, Lord, I need a special anointing from you today. Because the snakes are biting and the vipers are after me. Come on, amen. The Bible said there was a rich man. Everybody said there was a rich man. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. And he lived in luxury every day. Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And Paul tells us why in 1 Timothy 6 and 10, he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money had wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Can I get an amen? But at his gate, this rich man was laid a beggar named Lazarus. Lazarus was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. 
Even the dogs came and licked his sores. It's amazing how much compassion dogs can have over people. Come on, amen. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. And he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here. And you, you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses, they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he replied, but, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced. Even if someone rises from the dead. Do you guys know anybody who raised from the dead? The mighty name of who? There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Christ our Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings, and the Lords of Lords. Father, you are the, the, the Most High. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the creator of all things. Father, I humble myself before you even now because I know that God with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Father, I also know that without you, I can do nothing. So Lord, I just pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. Father, I feel in my spirit the fire of God raising up, rising up inside of me even now as I speak. Lord, I can almost, I can hardly contain it. Like Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So, Lord, I just ask that you just turn the power of the Holy Spirit loose in this building today. I pray that lives are changed and transformed. I pray that you just move by your power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and touch lives. God, do not let us leave here today the same way we came. Let us be changed and transformed into the image of your son Jesus right now. We praise you in Christ's name and God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah.
I'd like to begin this morning with a very powerful verse. It's found in the very back of your Bible in the book of Revelations. And I want you to listen carefully to what John writes because it, 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 it's very important to understand this. Revelations 20, verse 14 and 15. John writes these words. He said, then death and hell. Everybody said death and hell. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire. Now, now the best way to understand this is, is because I know you're thinking, how, how in the world can hell itself be cast into the lake of fire? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, what I believe personally is that I don't think that, that, that hell itself will be cast into the lake of fire that place, but, but rather I believe that the inhabitants of hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And, and so you, now you're thinking, well, what is the difference between hell and the lake of fire? Well, what you need to understand that they are two separate places. Hell would, would, would basically, in a sense, be like if you got arrested and you went, first of all, to the county of jail. The county jail is not pleasant at all. Come on, amen. Now it's kind of like a picnic, but, but back in the day, the county jail was not pleasant. But, but, but the lake of fire is a lot worse because the lake of fire is like leaving the county jail and then being sent to the penitentiary of eternal fire. In other words, it, it would be like jumping from the skillet of grease into the fire. You don't want either one of them. Come on, amen. And so what I'm saying, that they're two separate places, but at the end, that, that, that they're going to be a separation. And you see, just like you and I who are born again, children of God, we will go first to a place called paradise. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And after the, the judgment, the great white throne judgment, then we will receive our rewards and then we will step into this place called heaven. Hallelujah. But see, our, our paradise in heaven is a wonderful place. God has prepared it for us, but, but He has also prepared a place called hell for the non-believers. Are you with me so far? But John tells us that anyone's name was not found written in, in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so with that said today, I have one simple goal. And my goal is this. I'm not here to try to scare you. I'm not here to try to put fear in your hearts. But, but my goal today is to bring, allow the Holy Spirit to bring deep conviction into your hearts. To bring a, a concern where you will spend eternity in your mind. I'm not trying to scare you because, see, first of all, the, the Bible said that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but He gives us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. 
John tells us in 1 John 4, 18. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. If you are driven by fear, it's not God who's driving you. Are you with me so far? But, but at, the same, at the same time, you need to understand that the Bible teaches us that we're called to fear the Lord. That's a healthy thing. Because if you don't fear God, then I can promise you, you're not walking with God. Because the more you know God, the more you will learn to fear Him. And fear is a good thing. In fact, Job, he writes in Job 28 and 28. He said, God said to man, the, the fear of the Lord is wisdom and to shun evil is understanding. But if I had a second goal today, my second goal would be this. First, I don't want to fear you. But sec my second goal is, is to make sure that before you leave here today, that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Because, see, I have the responsibility as a man of God. I'm not saying that I'm this great man of God. I'm just saying I am a man of God. I live for Jesus. If anybody knows me, you know I live for Christ. I eat, drink, sleep, Jesus. Man of God. That's what I'm about. But I have the responsibility this morning to, pre to preach the hell out of you. Yeah, I do. I have the responsibility to preach it out. Because if you leave here today still full of sin, if you leave here today the same way you came, living in your ungodliness and your worldliness and your lust, if you still leave here today, then I can promise you you're still full of your eternal destination called hell. And my job as a preacher is to do all that I can do to snatch you from the flames of hell. Because you see, we live in a world today where you do not hear about the subject of hell because unfortunately, it offends people. But, but I'm here to tell you that last week, we, we talked about how we are called to follow Jesus. Did I not preach it? And so if I'm called to follow Jesus, and I am, especially being a preacher, then, then, then I have no choice to preach about hell. Did you know that, that Jesus preached about hell more than any man in the entire Bible? Did you know that Jesus preached about set hell at least 70 times during his three and a half years of ministry? In other words, if you follow Jesus in his day, Jesus would have been preaching on hell once a month. In other words, I preach it maybe twice a year. And you think it gets hot in here. No, no, no. Jesus touched on it 70 times. Now, here's the reason why we need to understand this. Because every three seconds of the day, every three seconds of the day, people are dying. By the time this sermon is over, 11,000 people would have already died. By the time this day is over, one 24-hour period of time before 24 hours pass, 250,000 people will die across the world. And, and out of those people, some will spend eternity in hell while just a few 
a handful will spend eternity with Jesus. And so you need to understand that, that, that it's not easy up here to, to preach about hell, but, but if I love you enough, I will be concerned where you will spend eternity. Because like I always say, heaven will not be the same without you. Hallelujah. And if that's not enough, then, then I will remind myself uh, of the reason the devil comes. He comes only to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. 1 John 3 and 8, John says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And, and the reason, listen to this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. His work is to steal, to kill and destroy. Most people think that the devil's in hell right now. He's not. He's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says, resist him, stand firm to faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He's doing his best right now to drag you along with him. He knows where his eternal destination is and he has one desire and that is to take you with him. While at the same time, Christ has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So I have one goal, and that is to get hold of you by the power of the Holy Spirit and to make sure you do not leave this room today because we're not promised tomorrow. And my goal is to get you saved, set free, sanctified, glorified, and set apart. So when you leave here, you'll know without a doubt when you lay on that table, you have no doubt in your heart that you know that you know that I have Jesus for eternity. Can I preach this? I reminded myself because you see, Monday, Monday morning I was on my regular walk. And last Wednesday God had already told me what he wanted me to preach on. And last Wednesday I was all good about preaching on hell. But when Monday morning came around and, and when I went on my walk, all of a sudden I, I found myself begin to wiggle. And I began to try to convince myself not to preach about hell because I know how uncomfortable it feels up here. But the Holy Spirit says, I want to remind you of Galatians 1 and 10. Paul said, who am I now trying to win the approval of? Am I now trying to please men or am I now trying to please God? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I have a desire just to please you today, I'm out. I'm out. I used to say years ago, once a preacher has a price tag hanging out of his pocket, he's through. That's true. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power and the salvation for those who believe. First for the Jews, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of Christ is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. For just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. But little did I know that, that Monday morning, I try to refuse it. Little did I know that where my Bible reading would take me. As soon as I opened up my Bible to my little marker, there it was, Lazarus and the rich man. 
And I thought to myself, what a fool I am to try to run from God. Come on, amen. And so I have no choice. I have to preach about this. I began to think about hell. Did you know that there's more proof that there is a place called hell than there is about a man by the name of Simon Cyrene? You say, who's Simon Cyrene? Simon Cyrene, he was the man who carried the cross for Jesus. That there's more proof about this place called hell than him. And you say, well, I believe in Simon because it is written in the scriptures that, that he was a real man. Well, I'm here to tell you that the same Bible that tells us that there was a man is the same Bible that tells us that there is a literal place that God created called hell. Are you with me so far? Hell was given many names in the Bible. It's called hell, Hades, Sheol, death, eternal darkness, Gehenna, and the lake of fire. Now, if you listen to the Jehovah false witnesses, did you get the false part? If you listen to the Jehovah false witnesses, they will try to convince you that, that this place that Jesus talked about is called Gehenna, which, which, which means a, a dump behind the city. Well, let me explain this to you. Gehenna was an example that Jesus used because the people of that day understood how horrific it was. See, Gehenna wasn't your ordinary dump, but Gehenna was a place that was set apart where, where, where they would take the dead bodies of the criminals, the dead bodies that nobody wanted. It was a place where they took the dead animals they take the rotten food and everything that was detestable and they would cast it into this one little place called Gehenna. And then once a week they would light it on fire. But at nighttime the dogs, they would come and they would come to Gehenna and they would fight for that meat and they would gnash your teeth and they would fight for the meat and you could hear them up there gnashing and fighting and growling. And so when Jesus speaks of Gehenna, He's trying to draw a picture to the people that this is what hell is like. But it won't be just for a simple season, but it will be for eternity. Are you with me so far? Now, of course, I've heard... Are y'all enjoying this all right? Now, of course, I've heard several people say that this story that Jesus told was nothing more than just a parable. Well, my friends, that's foolish. Because first of all, Jesus never said that it would be like this or it would be like that. In other words, he never said that it would be like a lost coin. He never said that it would be like a lost sheep. He never said that it would be like a mustard seed or a lamp stand or a lamp without oil. He never said that it would be like yeast mixed into the dough. He never said that. But secondly, I know that it was not a parable. Because when Jesus talks about Lazarus and the rich man, he also speaks of another man. Another man that we all know very well, a man named Abraham. And Abraham was not a fictional character. Can I get an amen? But Abraham, Abraham was a real man. We know him as the father of faith. Everybody say he's the father of faith. Romans 4 and 3, the Bible said, what does the scripture say? That Abraham believe God 
and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so we know that Abraham was real. We know that it was Abraham who laid his son on the altar. And his son's like, Father. But he's like, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. And the Lord provided a lamb. We know in the New Testament that God provided a lamb for the sins of the world. We know that John the Baptist, when he's preaching on the Jordan, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Now, one of the keys that helps me personally to understand hell is to understand that hell was not ever prepared for mankind. Hell itself was not prepared for you. It was not prepared for me. It was not prepared for nobody except for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25 and 41. Then Jesus will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for who? The devil and his, you got it, his angels. Jude 1 and 6, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. God prepared hell not for you. But God prepared hell for the devil. Why? Because the devil is the eternal enemy of God. He thought to himself, I will set myself, I will set my throne above the throne of God's. And no, God said, no, you will not. I will cast you down and you will burn in hell. Can I get an amen? The Bible says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented forever and ever and ever. We have to understand while at the same time that God has prepared a place for the devil and his angels. God also prepared a place for you and I. A place that we can look forward to. A place that we can rest. Jesus said it like this, John 14, 1 through 3. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you shall be also. We serve a living God. We serve an eternal God. We serve a Christ that will never die. He was dead, but now he's alive forever and ever. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. I like the way that Peter writes it like this. 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Bible said the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. We love that scripture, don't we? Because it proves the God we serve is all about one thing, love. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 10, 27 and, 27 and 28, he said, my sheep 
Are you his sheep today? He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. My Father and I are one. And so the Bible is very clear about one thing. That God does not send any man to hell, but they send themselves by rejecting God's only plan of salvation, Jesus Christ. Because remember this, hell was not made for man. But here's what I wrote. But they have to go somewhere. So he sends them to spend eternity with their father, the devil. What a thought. And they'll get their dream. They want to party with the devil? They can party with him in hell and there ain't no party. We're going to talk about what hell's all about here in just a little while. Because unfortunately, through one man by the name of Adam, we were all born into this world with a deadly sickness called sin. And because of sin, we were all doomed to die in hell for eternity. But Jesus made a way for us to escape. Paul says it like this, for just Romans 5, 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Just like one man will send us to hell, the other man wants to send us to heaven. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 30 and 19, you know this, I say it almost every week. God said, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. I have said before you, Life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. He's commanding us as his children, choose it. We have to choose it. In other words, I've given you the choice. I can't make you go to heaven. But if you reject my son... I have no choice but to make you go to hell. How scary is that? Hallelujah. And so the Bible constantly reminds us of who we are without Jesus. David writes Psalms 51 and 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Paul writes Romans 3 and 23, for we all have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's not even a hard choice, is it? I'm surprised at how many people choose death. How many people today choose hell? By the time you wake up tomorrow, all those thousands of people are standing either in hell or in heaven. That's what we have to let consume our minds. You walk down the street, you see someone who passes you by, you need to say something because that someone is headed somewhere, maybe within the hour. We just heard last week how the family was hit by the 18-wheeler and they burnt to death right here on the road. They woke up that morning just like any other morning and never realized that this would be the last day on this earth. 
And I pray that they had their reservations in heaven. Are you with me? And so we were all born with a one-way ticket to hell. And Jesus, out of love for us, He constantly, constantly gives us warning, telling us that we do not want to go to this place. And you know why He warns us? Because He prepared it. Ooh, come on, think about it. He created it. He doesn't want you going there because He made it bad enough for the devil. And so what does He tell us? Matthew 10 and 28. He said, do not be afraid of those that can do not be afraid of those that can destroy the body, but cannot destroy the soul. He said, rather be afraid of the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. He said, man, you don't want to face my father without the blood. When, when, when the angel went through Egypt, the death angel, he was looking for one thing. He was looking for the blood on the doorposts and mantles. He saw the blood, he passed by. I'm saying today, you need to get covered in the blood of the lamb. Because when the death angel comes your way, will he pass you by? Or will he take you straight into the pit of hell itself? And you know the story says that the angels, they, they cast them into the lake of fire. That means there was a fight going on. They were fighting not to be cast. In other words, they weren't jumping in on their own will. There was a fight that will take place. You will fight with all your might, but I can promise you of the angel of the Lord, there's no way to ever defeat him. Because with one smite of his hand, 70,000 men can fall. There's no way that you're straight. You have a not enough strength in your life to fight your way out of hell. You, you can never be good enough to get out of hell. You can never do anything enough to get out of hell except receive Jesus. Your only ticket has one name on it, and it's the Christ. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. The Bible says, therefore, honor God with your bodies. But you listen to me. I love how Paul, he, he tries to warn us about rejecting Jesus, the plan of salvation, the only way, the truth, and the life. He says it just like this. I want you to listen carefully. These are some strong words, Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, stop there. He's not talking about saying a lie or stealing something at 7-Eleven. Wally world, whatever. No, no, no. He's talking about rejecting the Savior. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there's no sacrifice for sins left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who is trampled under his foot? The Son of God who is treated as an unholy thing. The blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. The Bible said, for it is mine to avenge and I will repay, declares the Lord. The Bible said, it is a dreadful thing. 
to fall into the hands of the living God. Can you imagine standing before the Almighty without Jesus? It'd be like that dried up leaf blown in the whirlwind. We all have become like one who is unclean. Our sins were like a leaf and, and they sweep us away, the Bible says. You don't want to stand before the Almighty without Jesus because you have no hope. You have no way to escape. And I can promise you when they release you and you begin to fall for eternity and you fall and you fall and you never stop falling while at the same time you're burning in a lake. It's beyond our understanding. But only something that God create could understand it. That's why so many people deny it because it's beyond our understanding. Are you with me so far? A scripture that many people have missed over the years about the choice is found in what Paul wrote in his second letter to the church in Thessalonica. He tells us two things that we need to take note of. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. The Bible says he will punish. He will punish those who do not know God. Everybody said do not know God. And those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will punish them with everlasting destruction and they'll be shut out from the presence of the majesty of the Lord in heaven. Can you imagine being shut out of His presence? No light. No breath. No blood. No water. Eternal separation. That's, that's almost bad enough in itself. And so basically, if you do not know Jesus and you do not obey what He says... You will burn in hell. It's simple. What did he say? John 3 and 3. I tell you the truth. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Y'all listening to me? We have the choice. Can I finish this this morning? I was looking in this story carefully. And I noticed like eight or nine things that I noticed about this story that we need to take note of. Number one, our Bible said the rich man was buried in hell. That, that simply tells me that, that, that you're covered in it. That you are surrounded in it. You are chained to it, and you can feel the weight of it. The Bible says that the darkness is so dark that you can feel it. That, that I've never been in that type. I've been deep in the woods, but I can never have felt darkness. But when darkness is so dark that it's weighing upon you, it's so heavy that it's crushing you, that's dark. Are you with me so far? Lamentations 3, 6, and 7. The Bible says, He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. And He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Psalms 107 and 10. 
Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in irons of chains. Second Peter 2 and 4. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Chains. You will be chained to it for eternity. Chains of darkness. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to know. Number two, we can see in our story that he was in torment. That simply means he had all his senses. Was he not hurting? Could he not see? Was he not thirsty? And could he not hear and talk? He had all his senses. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 49 through 50, this is how it would be at the end of the, end of the age. The angels will come and they will separate the wicked from the righteous and they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be gnashing, and, gnashing of teeth, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Number three, we can still talk, but it's going to be more like screaming for help, will it not? I just want to keep repeating this. Matthew 13, 42. They will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can you imagine thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions of people weeping, screaming without end for eternity? People say, I'm going to party with the devil. No, 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 no. You're missing it. There is no party in hell. Because even though you're in prison with all these losers, you will be alone. You will be in your own eternal cell, burning by yourself in fear, agony, and pain, in gnashing of teeth. The Bible says, and the worm does not die. Something, whatever that worm is, will be chewing on you. I kind of think it may be your conscience. It could be your, your thought. I, I have five brothers, send them to my brother. Maybe it's the thought of your loved ones. Think about it. Something is taking place in the story that we can't even see. Number four, he was in agony. That means he had mental, spiritual, and physical suffering. Jesus said, Luke 13 and 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're going to remember. You're going to remember everyone who tried to tell you that hell was real. People said hell ain't real, but when they get angry, they tell you go straight to hell. No, no, they should say go to an imaginary place. They know it's real. Because just like we know God has put eternity in every man, He's also put the thought of fear in the back of our mind. Why? God so loved the world. There was no water in the story. He says, send Lazarus just the tip, just the tip of his finger, one drop to cool his tongue. Let's bring it to reality. For over 2,000 years now, he has longed for one 
drop of water. If there's no moisture in hell, you can't even swallow. Think about it. Your mouth is so parched and so dry. You can't hardly breathe. You can't yell because even in your breath, there's moisture. The, the weight of it, the dryness and the pain and the suffering of fire is unbearable. But the bad news is that your soul will not die. Eternal life, eternal death. It does not end. How can you die forever? God can do what He wants. He's God. If you're born twice, you only have to die once. But if you're not born again, you will die twice. Physically, spiritually. But the spiritual death does not end, does it? Number six, he had no one to comfort him at all. These are horrifying words, but you got to hear them. Isaiah 66, 23 and 24. This is a picture of us seeing the other side. From one new moon to another. Everybody said from one new moon to another. Is that a month? I don't know. Maybe a week, but from that period from a new moon to another... The Bible says, from one Sabbath to another, that's a week, all mankind will come and bow down before me, declares the Lord, and they will go and look upon the bodies of those who rebelled against me, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. Jesus said, I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I can tell you right now, when you look across that great chasm and you see those loved ones you refuse to tell about Jesus and you see them over there suffering, gnashing their teeth and tongue, agony, crying out for help and you can't do nothing at this point because we can't cross over. There's going to be some weeping in heaven. You won't because you're going to be thinking to yourself, why didn't I tell somebody about God? in our pride, in our arrogance, in our foolishness. We'll walk out of this church, we'll go get our cheeseburger and fries and whatever it is that you do on Sunday while the world is headed to hell and you could care less. We better get serious. Jesus said it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck than to cause one of my little ones to stumble and to fall into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I'm preaching better than you're putting on here. Number seven. He was eternally separated from God. Isaiah 38, 17 and 18. I hope I don't mess this up. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction and you put all my sins behind your back for death cannot praise you and the grave cannot praise your name. I don't know if I got that right, but I'm close. 
Ain't no praising going on in hell. Praising belongs to those who serve God. While we're worshiping and raising our hands and saying hallelujah in heaven on the other side, weeping, gnashing. And I think it's going to be so loud that he has to shut the gates. He has to shut the gates. Because the sounds coming out of hell will be overwhelming. That's where all the dogs are. Verse number eight. He was alone in it. Surrounded by the worst sinners, the killers, the murderers, the rapists, and the perverts of our world. Surrounded by them, but alone. Who are they? Revelations 21 and 8 tells us. But the coward, the unbelieving, the vile, the murder, the sexual immorals, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will have their place in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Jesus said in Luke 3, 17, His winnowing fork is in His hand. He was clear His threshing floor and He was gather His wheat into the barn, but He will burn up the shaft with the unquenchable fire. This is where I close. He was alive, but He was dead. That's a mystery, isn't it? He's alive, but He's dead. Psalms 55, 15. Let death seize my enemies by surprise and let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. I close with this. Matthew 13, 41 and 42. The Son of Man will send out His angels to weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord is ready. The harvest of the earth, earth is ripe. He stands with a sickle. And He's going to harvest the earth in a twinkling of an eye. And you and I, the children of God, will be taken out of here. While the rest are left behind. Jesus says, see, I come with fire. My chariots are like a whirlwind. I will bring down my anger with fury and my rebukes with flames of fire. And with fire and with my sword, I will execute judgment upon all men and many will be those who are slain by the Lord. I want to be on the other side of the sword. And when Jesus says His sword, you got to understand, it's right here. This is a sword. This is what he'll use to judge you by. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not give false testimony. Honor thy father and mother. Come on, amen. Everything that we did wrong will be held against us if we're not covered in the blood. James says if you stumble at one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. Only told one lie. 
you're doomed to hell. One lie. I'm asking you right now, everybody stand with me. Just about lost my voice. That's okay. If I can lose my voice talking about Jesus, I did my job. You do not leave here today lost. If you do not know Jesus Christ, I'm talking about know Him. You do not leave here because you may not make it home today. Pastor, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to be real with you. We live in a perilous time right now. The worst ever. I feel so sorry for our children. Amen. We had the job to get those children saved. I'm fishing right now. I'm throwing the lure out. If you don't know Jesus, grab the hook. And I'm going to drive you to the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Him, don't you leave here. Because you're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says that life is a vapor, is here today and gone tomorrow. You can fool me. You can play church. But you will not fool God. Because God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. And if He doesn't see the blood of Jesus on your heart, He will say these words. Depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Into the eternal lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And at that moment, you will be grabbed by each arm and they will fly you to the pit and drop you off. Or you could hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You make the choice today. Don't you leave here lost. Because you can't blame me say, preacher didn't tell me. No, no, no. I just told you just about all I knew about hell. You can't say no one told me. I just did. If you leave here today, you can't ever say no one told me. Close your eyes, bow your head right now in the name of Jesus. If you want to be saved today, please, I'm begging you. Do not let me look across that great chasm and see you on the other side because I can promise you I will not be able to bear it. So I'll do whatever it takes to get you over here on the right side because he's going to separate the, the sheep and the goats. You're either a sheep of Christ or you're the goat of the devil. Your choice. Father, I just pray for these godly people today because according to what they're saying right now, by what they're not moving, by their word right now, they're saved, they're born again, they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, just go with them today and bring a conviction in their life like never before. Lord, help Millwood Church today get hungry for souls. We love you and we praise you for this word in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. You guys have a blessed day.